Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Jesus knows by experience the things that you're going through and that I'm going through. Jesus suffered as a human being. And so when we are in trouble, when we are weak, when we are struggling, when we are in difficulty, whatever it is, we have a sympathetic ear from the Lord because he's the Son of Man. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Mark, chapter 14, verses 53 through 65, in a message titled, The Son of Man. Now, here's Pastor Brian. All right, so we're picking up in verse 53 here of Mark 14 as we're making our way toward the end of Mark's account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And so we've come to the place now where Jesus has been arrested. We saw that last time. And now we're looking at some of the details of the things that transpired during his interrogation and sentencing and and those things. So we'll look more at that in the weeks ahead. But I want to focus on this idea of the Son of Man. Now, I don't know if you've ever wondered this before. I remember wondering this myself. And I I find that this is a question that frequently gets asked. Why does Jesus call himself the Son of Man? What does that mean? And that's what we want to consider here today. It's interesting because Jesus in just in Matthew's gospel and in John's gospel alone, 41 times Jesus refers to himself as the son of man, where he only refers to himself four times as the son of God in the gospel of John. Now, of course, he is the son of God, but this is his preferred title. He refers to himself over and over and over again as a son of man. So we want to consider that together here today. We want to see why did he do that? And what does this son of man language mean? So it's here now that the the high priest, he asked Jesus this very pointed question. Now, of course, they're, they're trying to find a reason to condemn him. And we saw as in the scripture reading, they were making things up, but their their stories were contradicting each other and so forth. So they're looking for something to be able to pin on Jesus that they can then condemn him over that. So here's what happens. At this point in verse 62, we read it. Well, 61, the high priest, he asks him this question. And the other gospels, I think it's Matthew lets us know that the high priest, it says that the high priest said, I adjure you by the living God. So what the high priest is doing now, Jesus is not responding, right? So the high priest is commanding him in the name of God to speak. And so that's what he says. And he asks him a question. And the question is this, are you the Christ? Are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus says, I am. Now, it's interesting because I have had people tell me 
that Jesus never really claimed to be the Messiah. Well, the high priest certainly thought that he did. And the ruling council thought that he did because it was on this basis that they said, look, what, what further evidence do, do we need? He's blasphemed. Now, they considered that blasphemy. They considered it blasphemy that Jesus, now, not that someone would claim to be the Messiah, but that this man would claim to be the Messiah because they were absolutely convinced if the, if the Messiah came, of course, he would let them know and he would be on their team. But he's evidently not on their team. So as far as they're concerned, he cannot be the Messiah. But he's saying, I am the Messiah. And so for those who would say that Jesus never claimed to be the Messiah, he certainly did claim to be the Messiah. And this isn't the only place that he did it. In speaking to the religious leaders, John tells us in the 10th chapter that at a certain point, they come to Jesus and they say, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us. And Jesus says, I did tell you but you didn't believe me. But the, the, for me, the best place where Jesus says he's the Messiah is in his conversation with the, the Samaritan woman. Because the Samaritan woman, of course, she was an outcast from Israel. She would be despised. But yet Jesus clearly reveals himself to her as the Messiah. She says to him at a certain point in the conversation, she says, we know that the Messiah is going to come. And when he comes, he's going to tell us everything. And Jesus said, woman, I who am speaking to you am he. I am the Messiah. And so Jesus here makes it clear. He says, I am but then he adds this, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. So this is what we want to look at, the Son of Man. Why does Jesus use this term? Why is this his favorite way to refer to himself? And I think there are three reasons. The first reason is because the term, it just simply refers to his humanity. So when you go through the Bible, you'll find the, the term the Son of Man used in various places. Probably the most frequent use of it is found in the book of Ezekiel. And God speaks to Ezekiel and refers to him most of the time as Son of Man. So that's why there's some confusion because people say, well, wait a second, Jesus calls himself the Son of Man, but Ezekiel is referred to by God as the Son of Man. Well, the first meaning, like I said, is that of a human being. So that's the first meaning. The second is to understand it as the son of mankind. And we'll look at what that means in a moment. And then the third is the son of man is a reference to the Messiah King. Now that is the way that Jesus primarily used it, uh, to refer to himself as the Messiah King. But we'll see that um, in more detail in a moment. But Jesus is the Son of Man. So let's look at Jesus as the Son of Man in relation to those three things. First of all, Jesus is the Son of Man, and that means that he is human. Now, we talked about this recently uh, because sometimes I know that I did this as a young Christian, and I find that people will still do this today. Sometimes, even though we know Jesus was a human being, we somehow don't know how human he was, or we miss that. We think things like, well, Jesus was human, of course, but he was also God. Therefore, you know, he couldn't have had like the experience that I have because he was God too. But what we need to understand is that Jesus is fully God 
and he's fully human at the same time. He partook fully in our nature. So Jesus was a, a human being. So when we're talking about Jesus as the Son of Man, we are talking, first of all, about his human nature. But secondly, we're talking about Jesus as the Son of Mankind. And this is a, a different this is a different perspective on it. So in the ancient Near East, and really in probably in the modern Near East as well, as well as in other cultures, we know that the family's hopes rest in the sun. You see, the future of humanity and the fulfillment of all that God desired for humanity when he created us is this dominion, this rule over creation. But it never happened because sin entered into the world. But it's going to happen. How's it going to happen? It's going to happen through the son of mankind. And so we don't see this realized at this point, at the time of the writing of the New Testament 2,000 years ago, and we don't see it realized today. But what do we see? We see Jesus. Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, or some translations read, for a little while lower than the angels. And he's crowned with glory and honor. So Jesus is the one through whom the human race will be perpetuated and secured for the future. The third understanding of the Son of Man and the one that I said is, is the one that Jesus is primarily referring to when he uses that title is the reference to the Messiah King. So when Jesus said this, like I said, between Matthew and John 41 times, if you add Mark and Luke, it's, it's probably a little bit more, but Mark and Luke have a lot of overlap. But it, so let's just say, you know, the 41 times that Jesus says, something about himself and refers to himself as a son of man, the people, their minds would have automatically gone in one direction, just the same direction that it went with the high priest and the council that day. Because for them, the son of man was a very specific prophetic promise. And it was the promise of one who would come and dominion over the universe would be given to him. And that promise was declared in Daniel chapter 7. And the people knew that. So, you know, for the Jewish people at the time of Jesus, they had one messianic expectation. Now, we learned, and some of them learned, <laughs> the apostles and so forth, they learned that there was more than one aspect to the mission of the Messiah. What did they learn? They learned about Isaiah 53 they learned that, oh, the Messiah is going to suffer. The Messiah is going to die. The Messiah is going to rise again. They learned that from Isaiah 53, from Psalm 22. But the vast majority of Jews never did learn that. They still haven't learned it today. So for the Jewish ear at the time, when they heard Jesus say, Son of Man, they immediately went to this figure that is described in Daniel chapter 7 of this glorious one, the son of man who comes and dominion over the universe is given to him. Now, this will give you a little bit of insight into why the high priest was irate. This person standing here, 
this peasant from Galilee is claiming to be that? For him, it's like, no way. And, and for many of the people, it was no way. It's like, wait, no, the son of man, he's coming on the power. He's coming with clouds. But Jesus says, I am. Yes, I am the Christ, the son of the blessed. And you will see the son of man referring to himself. Now, let's look really quickly at the Daniel passages. And I'm going to read from Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, and then verses 13 and 14. You can turn there if you like, or you can just let me read it to you. But I would encourage you to at least remember where I'm reading from, because this is a passage you want to go back and you want to just read it and meditate on it and think about it and rejoice over it because this is the future, my friends. This is where things are all going to go. But one thing before I read it, let me just say, the amazing thing about all of it is that the prophecy from Daniel declared this, that a human being would sit on the throne of the universe and rule it. That's the the amazing thing. So going back to that first point, that son of man means human being, that's what the prophecy was, that a human being would sit on the throne of the universe and rule it. So in Daniel, it says this, Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, I watched, Daniel is speaking, till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and his hair, the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued from, issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. Daniel sees a vision of God sitting upon the throne. The Ancient of Days is a reference to God. And we would understand God as God the Father. And now look what it goes on to say, picking up in verse 13. I was watching the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom the one that shall not be destroyed. That's that's what was in the minds of people when Jesus said or referred to himself as the son of man. That was their point of identification. And so here really the amazing thing is that Jesus of Nazareth is standing before the rulers of the nation of Israel and really of the whole world because they're together with the Romans in this. It's both the Jewish leaders and the Roman leaders that sentence Christ to death. But he is there standing before the leaders of the whole world. And in response to the question, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? Jesus says, I am, and you shall see me. I'm the son of man. You shall see the son of man seated at the right hand of God and coming on the clouds of heaven. That is a boom moment. (laughs) That, That is a mic drop. That is where you're just like, nothing else can be said. That was it. And of course, we see the response of the high priest. He flipped his lid. He screamed out, this is blasphemy. Put him to death. And everybody agreed to do so. 
because, because of the radicalness of the claim that Jesus was making. Now, here's the place where we come to the personal application. So what does this mean for us today? And with each one of these things, there is something in each of these things for us personally. So first of all, Jesus as the Son of Man is a human being. So what does that tell us? It tells us that the Lord has compassion toward us and sympathy with our weaknesses and pretty much just what we're told in Hebrews chapter 4, Christ is being pictured as the high priest. But remember, it says that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was in all points tested with, as we are without sin. And so when we come to God's throne, remember, we can come boldly and we can come knowing because he's sympathetic, we can know that we're going to find grace to help us in our time of need. We all need to know this. We all need to remember this. Jesus knows, not just because he observes it or not just because he's God and he knows everything. Jesus knows by experience the things that you're going through and that I'm going through. Jesus suffered as a human being. And like I said earlier, he suffered fully as a human being. He didn't have a God shield just right under his skin that really prevented anything from going beyond skin deep. No, everything went as deep with Jesus as it would go with us. And so when we are in trouble, when we are weak, when we are struggling, when we are in difficulty, whatever it is, we have a sympathetic ear from the Lord because he's the son of man. He's a human being just like you and just like me. Secondly, as the son of mankind, we can entrust our lives to his protection, provision, care, and keeping. And not just today, but into the future. You know, isn't it true that we all think about like, well, what, what's going to happen? What about my family? You know, as you get older, you start thinking, well, I'm not going to be around forever. I'm not going to be able to always help and do this and that. But Lord, what, what's going to happen? Well, guess what? Jesus is going to take care of it. He's going to make sure that we have a, a good future. The future of us as his people is all wrapped up in what he's done for us and what he will yet do in the days ahead. So I can look at that passage in Hebrews that although we don't see all those blessings that God intended for humanity, we do see Jesus. And we see that he's crowned with glory and honor. And, and so we can put our confidence in that. And we can do that today. The Lord's gonna take care of us. He's gonna provide for us. He's going to secure our future and then finally, the Son of Man as Messiah King, we can trust that the world will not always be in the hands of evil men and demonic forces, but Christ will come again just as he promised, and he will set the world right. Wow, that is so relieving. That is such great news to know that that is what the future actually holds. 
And as we see the, the world and the culture becoming more and more corrupted, I had the disturbing conversation with somebody who were telling me about their children, their child who's in kindergarten, I think, or maybe first grade at the very oldest, how they got this new curriculum in their school over sex education for little kindergartners and the things that they want to begin to introduce them to. And I mean, it's just the stuff that's unbelievable. And, but that wasn't even the most disturbing part of it. The most disturbing part was they went to, well, first of all, they were told if they didn't have their kids in this particular class, and if they missed four days, that the sheriff would come to their door to find out, you know, just why the child wasn't there. And of course, this is all being driven by outside evil forces. And where does it stop? Well, I can tell you where it will stop for sure. It will stop for sure when the Son of Man, there before the Ancient of Days, receives the dominion over all of the universe. And that day's coming. And so, you know, so, so we do two things. We do what we can while we're here to make it a better world a better place, a safer place. We don't just throw up our hands and say, we can't do anything. We got to just sit around and hope Jesus comes back sooner than we thought he would. But, but that, is, that is the hope that we have. And that's the, that's the confidence that we know ultimately where, where it's going to end with the Lord reigning. And, and just as sure as, as Jesus declared it on that day, I am the Christ, and yes, the Son of Man will. You know, that, that's going to happen. We can have confidence in that. But let's do what we can while we're here to spread the gospel and also to impact our culture, to make it a better place for everybody as much as that's possible. We don't want to lose sight of that. But as we close today now, I, I just want to say this, that God's word is faithful and what he said would happen in the past happened, and what he says will happen in the future will indeed happen. And so we can, again, we can have confidence in that very thing. And so put your trust in the Lord. And if you are a person who has never done that, Maybe at this point you've been all around this or maybe everything is new to you. But either way, you, you've never made a personal commitment, which means you're going to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus, who's going to rule the universe. Since that's going to be the case, it'd be really smart to just surrender and say, yes, Lord. And, you know, when you say, yes, Lord, some people think that, oh, that's so scary. Oh, because I'm going to lose my freedom and I'm going to have to be under somebody else's jurisdiction. Yes, but guess what? You already are under somebody else's jurisdiction. You're under the jurisdiction of somebody who hates you and wants to destroy you, and he's called the devil. But Christ wants to bring you out from under that, and he wants to bring you under his authority, and he loves you. And he wants to bless you. And he has your best interest in mind. And so surrender to that. Give yourselves over to that. Jesus, even though he is the, the Lord of the universe, guess what? He doesn't make people choose him. He doesn't make you do it. He gives you the opportunity. And you do that by just saying, okay, Lord, my life now is given over to you. 
And, and that makes all the difference in the world. September, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled A London Sparrow, the inspiring and true story of Gladys Allward by Phyllis Thompson. The story of Gladys Allward is one that inspires. God used Gladys Allward to reach the lost in China during a period of peril and war. The story is one that is transparent about her weaknesses and mistakes, but it's also a story of God's strength made perfect through weaknesses, God's promised provision, and a life surrendered to God. If you have a longing for God to use your life, but have been discouraged by setbacks or doubts that God can use you, you need to get this book. You'll be inspired by what God can do through a life that is willing to follow Him. The book A London Sparrow, The Inspiring and True Story of Gladys Allward by Phyllis Thompson is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.